like that. You want Hello, everybody, and welcome that. to like this Wednesday back. edition of the Logan Blackman Show. We have recorded back-to-back episodes successfully. That is, that is beautiful. That is something that we have not been able to say in over a week. So you know what? Give yourselves a round of applause for listening to the Logan Blackman Show on these back-to-back episodes on this Monday and Wednesday edition of the Logan Blackman Show. And I am in a very good mood today. I'm in a very, 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 very good mood today. And we'll get to why in a little bit. But before we do that, let's make sure to go over to housekeeping items first. Make sure you follow the Logan Blackman Show on every single form of social media, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, and of course, you're listening right now. So make sure you're either following or subscribed to the Apple Podcast and Spotify accounts. I would greatly appreciate it. So we're looking at Twitter, Logan underscore Blackman. Instagram account, you can find me at Blackman Logan or the show's Instagram account at the Logan Blackman Show 1. Facebook and YouTube to search Logan Blackman Show. Make sure you subscribe and like both. Click on a few blog posts, click on a few videos, and watch them. Haven't made a video in a while, but we'll have a blog post out for you come Friday, so make sure you stay tuned for that one. And then, of course, once again, you're listening to Logan Blackman Show right now, so make sure you're following on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. That's, that's obviously the most important thing you can do, and along with subscribing or following or whatever, make sure you leave a five-star rating. It could be a five-star. Out of five stars, it could be out of one star. I don't really care. Just leave your opinion down below. It could be about the whole show. It could be about a specific episode. It could be about the host. It could be whatever. Good, bad, ugly. I do not care. Just as long as you make your opinion heard on Spotify or and or Apple Podcasts. Now, I would not be that upset, really, if you put a one-star rating <coughs> on the Logan Blackman Show because I am in a very good mood today. And I will tell you why I'm in a very good mood today. Because the United States, the United States men's national team has made it out of Group B. Yes, let's give the boys a round of applause. They have beaten Iran 2 or 2 one nothing. Should have really been 2 nothing. They should have The United States, it's it's really weird. How they've been playing this tournament has been very odd because they only they qualified for the knockout stage with 5 points. They scored 2 goals, allowed 1, drew 2, 1-1. Didn't lose in the group stage, didn't allow a single goal from open play. The entire group stage, the only goal they gave up was the Gareth Bale penalty against Wales, which Matt Turner got a hand to. And these past couple tournaments, Matt Turner has been in, he has made it a theme (laughs) of not allowing a lot of goals from open play. The Gold Cup, I don't think he allowed a single goal from open play until the knockout stage, like late in the knockout stage, if even that. Because the one goal that I can remember them allowing in the 2021 Gold Cup was um, Emmanuel Riviere in the Martinique game, where the United States won like 6-1 or 7-1, something like that. Matt Turner has been awesome for the United States in this World Cup. Matt Turner has been awesome for the United States over the past year, past two years. Since he made his debut in January 2021, Matt Turner has been freaking awesome. And I feel so secure in net with Matt Turner there. And it's no offense to Zach Steffen or Sean Johnson or Ethan Horvath or Gabby Slalina or whoever. Like, I just feel so comfortable with Matt Turner between the pipes. And it's, it's just a great feeling to have. Because there was a weird period, like, post-Tim Howard and pre-Matt Turner, where there were some question marks around it. Like, David Bingham was making appearances for the United States in, the, in goal. Like, JT Martinowski from San Jose Earthquakes was making appearances for the United States men's national team in between the sticks. Like, it was a very odd time. Like, even Brad Guzan, not great. I mean, fine, he's a decent MLS goalkeeper, but he's not an international goalkeeper. He should have never been starting over Tim Howard. But again, we've talked about this before where Jurgen Klinsmann, once you got on Jurgen Klinsmann's bad side, whether that was Tim Howard, whether that was Landon Donovan, whether it was Fabian Johnson, you were not getting back in the team. And no matter how good you were playing or what you did to try and rectify yourself, 
You ain't getting back in the team. Donovan missed out for Mix Discarude. Tim Howard lost his spot to Brad Guzan. Fabian Johnson got told he was faking an injury and I don't think has made a single appearance for club or country since that game against Mexico in the Rose Bowl, however many years ago that was, to get in the Confederations Cup a while ago. I don't, again, I don't remember what year that was. It was Klinsman's last, like, last hurrah as the United States men's national team manager. And he's made some comments recently about the World Cup and stuff. It's been, he's been back in the media a little bit. But this World Cup has been a very weird one. Because though the United States has only scored two goals throughout this tournament and has only won one game, I don't think there's a lot of people that can sit there and honestly say they have not been the best or at least the most consistent team in at least Group B. Like, um, Carlos Queros, the manager for the Iranian national team, he went out there and said the United States have been the most consistent team, and I'm paraphrasing, but essentially the United States have been the best, most consistent team in the group. Like, they have not really had a bad game. You can get mad at Burhalter for the substitutions he's made, and I'm still confused about why Giovanni Reyna has played seven minutes that we know of, but we're not including added time into that. That's just if in the whole of the World Cup, in the guarantees, we have 90 minutes per game. So we have 270 minutes of soccer within these three games. Giovanni Reyna has played a grand total in the guaranteed minutes, seven minutes. This is, again, a top five player for the United States men's national team playing a total of seven minutes at the World Cup. And Jesus Ferreira, and I was talking to my dad about this today, Jesus Ferreira going into the World Cup was seen as the guaranteed starting number nine for the United States. Like, we went into this, like, before they announced the squad, before they announced the squad, and Berhalter explained why he picked certain players, you went into the World Cup going, okay, Jesus Ferreira is going to be the starting striker, and Aaron Long's going to be partnering, partnering Walker Zimmerman in between uh, in center back. And then you listen to Graham Berhalter talk about the squad after the after he announced it, and it's like, so Sargent was the only one that was guaranteed a starting spot? Because he, for if you guys remember this, Berhalter talked about the strikers that he was picking between Ferreira and Pepe, and Pifok and Haji Wright. Those were his battles. Sargent was the only one that he didn't really say had a challenger. Which is fair. Josh Sargent has, to me at least, and I think of most of the United States fans out there, has proved this World Cup that he's the best number nine the United States has. Haji Wright has played decent enough. He didn't really do anything when he came on the field against Iran. He played, he did his role against England, like he was a big physical striker. England is a notoriously big physical team, especially at center back with Harry Maguire back there. You need a big physical presence in there. And Haji Wright did that. But when you're looking at closing out a game, I think the striker you would bring on, I understand, I, I, I want to say this, I do understand bringing on height and physicality because you're going to the end of the game and you're going to see a bunch of balls going to the box. Like you're going to want to get heads on that ball. And a striker like Jesus Ferreira is not going to do that. As Jesus Ferreira is maybe five foot nine, not a natural striker. He's a natural number ten that can play as the number nine spot. But when you're trying to close out a game and you're talking about link up play, Jesus Ferreira should be the guy that comes in. And then I know we talked about this in the last show that we did when talking about the right back spot that Joe Scaly is pretty essentially the backup left back and not even considered being a right back because Shaq Moore again looked just off. Like I liked seeing Shaq Moore go into the game against England. Because I was there in Kansas City where he scored his goal in 20 seconds against Canada. I like I like Shaq Moore a lot in an attacking sense. But to see out a game, I don't think Shaq Moore's your guy. And there was plays today, and Clint Dempsey pointed this out in the postgame. There were more times Shaq Moore stuck up his hand and said it was his bad, rather than actually making a good play. 
Shaq Moore made more bad plays than good plays in his time in. Like, Shaq Moore just passed the ball straight to Iranian defender when the U.S. is on a counterattack trying to see out the game. Who knows what could have happened if he played it to a United States player? Who knows? It doesn't really matter in the grand scheme of things because, again, United States won. So we're, we're complaining about things that didn't actually affect the game in the grand scheme of things. The United States ended up winning. But Shaq Moore, I, I don't really want to see him play the rest of this World Cup. I like that he brought in Walker Zimmerman. I really like that he started Cameron Carter-Vickers today with his ball-playing ability and track-back ability. Because with Iran, what you would have expected from Iran today was that Iran, they could play for a tie. Iran could have tied and or won this game and gone through. The United States needed to win. So when you're Iran and your team like this, especially a team set up by Carlos Cueros, you are you are able to sit back. Iran, Iran was sitting back a lot during this game and trying to hit the United States on the counterattack. And when you have Walker Zimmerman and, and Tim Ream, not that those two have been, not that Walker Zimmerman has been playing bad apart from the, the penalty he gave up against Wales. Tim Ream has been excellent, but they don't have that speed there. Cameron Carter-Vickers is the most athletic center back the United States has at their disposal. Between the four of Walker Zimmerman, Tim Ream, Aaron Long, and himself. He's the most athletic one. Him and Ream are the two best ball-playing center backs the United States have at their disposal as well. So if you're looking at that aspect, those are probably your best center back options there. Tim Ream being 35 years old does not have the legs he once did. And even when he did, he wasn't really that athletic to begin with. Carter-Vickers adds that. And I think that was nice to see him in the starting lineup today. I don't know if he's going to start again with the United States next game. We'll get to their opponent here in a little bit. But I did like Walker Zimmerman coming on. But I, I just it irks me to see the United States just go so, so ultra-defensive. And the, they played a 5-4-1 formation. 5-4-1. Their, their lineup at the end of the game was pretty much Shaq Moore at wing back. You had Cameron Carter-Vickers as right center back. Walker Zimmerman in the middle. Tim Ream on the left. And then uh, Anthony Robinson on the left. At left back. And then the midfield, it was Jonas Musa on the right, Acosta and Adams in the middle with Aronson on the left, and then Haji right up top. That scares me. Because I know they're going to accept pressure, and Iran proved that against Wales, that they can score goals late. Their two goals against Wales came in the 98th and the 101st minute. It's like, they can score goals late. So the fact that the United States was just allowing Iran to creep back into the game, it, stre- it stressed me out a little bit. It stressed me out a lot. And there was a few times where Iran had penalty shouts. Now, do I think there were actually penalty shouts? No. But the Iranian players acted like they were clear-cut penalties, which they weren't. No, if they, if they called either one of those a penalty, one was the handball on Shaq Moore, which I don't even know touched his hand. It touched the Iranian player's hand just as much as it touched Zach, Zach Moore's hand, in my opinion. And then the foul in the box on Carter Vickers, where he quote-unquote pulled down the Iranian defender and the ball went between uh, Hor- uh, Matt Turner's legs. Like, those are such weak penalties. Like, it was ridiculous. No disrespect to the Iranian players. Like, they played hard. They played... I have nothing but respect for them because of the fact they lost their first game 6-2 to two and still put themselves in a spot to where they could win or draw and still manage to move on to the next round. They put themselves back in a reasonable position. They were at a minus four goal difference, which is almost a damn near impossible feat to counteract, and they came back and beat Wales 2 nothing. And they had a chance to beat the United States in their game today. They had not a ton of opportunities, especially in the first half, because once again, the United States absolutely dominated the first half. We saw Christian Pulisic score a goal. Nice, beautiful headed ball from Sergino Dest across the Boston Pulisic, who caught a nice wham right to the nuts. He had a, a what they call a pelvic contusion, is what they call a Christian Pulisic's injury. A pelvic contusion. 
Like when he got subbed off at halftime, they said it was like an abdominal injury. He's like, no, 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 no. He might feel it in his abdomen, but no. <laughs> that one, straight shaft, right to the nuts. Like it was, oh, painful. I've been there, brother. I remember I was playing an intramural basketball game up at UNI, and <laughs> I went up for a rebound, came down, dude's knee went straight into, not balls, right in the shaft. That thing hurts more than getting hit in the balls. As a kid that grew up, you know, going to high school, you get hit in the balls quite a bit, whether it's intentional or not. Me and my friend Johnny, stupidly, played a game where we just slap each other in the nuts. This was in ninth grade. We were freshmen in high school. I mean, we were in the middle school at the time, but fresh, technically freshmen in high school. And that one is the first time I ever got hit, hit in the shaft. I thought I was going to die. Not going to lie. Not going to lie. I had to leave the gym and just make sure everything was okay. I drank a crap ton of water just to make sure I could pee still. Like, I was in so much pain. I'm sure that's what Pulisic was going because he got straight knee to crotchal area. Oh, God. But he said, apparently, he's going to be good to go. He's going to be good to go. I mean, a week is enough time to recover from getting a straight shot to the nuts. Like, it, you can recover from that. He's going to be hurting today. He's going to probably be hurting a little bit tomorrow. But he'll be good to go come Saturday, which is going to be – which is perfect. But I think we talked about Serginho Dest in the header – Serginho Dest played awesome today. Serginho Dest and Anthony Robinson, I just want to give them a quick round of applause. Those two have been absolutely awesome this tournament. You can't really look at anybody in the United States men's national team that has played this tournament and go, wow, apart from maybe, like, again, maybe Shaq Moore. I think Shaq Moore is a fair shot shot at winning this uh, this award. But, like, Robinson and Dest have played awesome. Pulisic has played awesome. Tim Weah has played awesome. McKinney, Musa, Adams, McKinney playing hurt, Des playing hurt, have all been awesome. This is the best midfield three the United States has ever had in the however many years the United States men's national team has been a thing, however long the United States Soccer Federation has been a thing, this is the greatest midfield they have ever had. That's not hyperbole. This is fact. This is 100% fact. Yunus Musa turned 20 today. He turned 20 and he's bossing the midfield for the United States. Like, I love this kind of, like, people talking about who should come off the bench and who should start because that proves that the United States has actually made it as a competitive country in the world of soccer. This proves it. The fact that we're sitting here and arguing that, oh, Brendan Aronson should start, Giovanni Reyna should start, Joe Scaly should be coming in. They have good subs, which is the first time you could say, like, Bulisic left at halftime. I was driving back from G-Migs, this place in Des Moines, with my dad, and we're coming back to the office for halftime, and they on the radio they say Pulisic's not coming in the second. I'm like, you know what? Let's take you back to, like, 2014. When, remember when Josie Altador got hurt? And the United States was like, oh, my God, what the hell do we do? Who's going to be the striker now? We're not playing Aaron Johansson as a striker, are we? As the starting striker? We're not doing that. What are we going to do? And now we're sitting here like, oh, we could play Losing Pulisic is massive. He's the best player on this team. We know this. But you have options. You have Aronson. You have Reyna. Hell, you have Jordan Morris if you really want to. You have had you have options that you've never had before. And it is a great luxury to have. Like, if the United States... Like, God forbid Clint Dempsey or Landon Donovan got hurt in, like, 2010. Who the hell is coming in for him? Jose Torres? We're actually considering Jose Torres coming in for Clint Dempsey on the left wing? Really? Like, it was, there was no options. You lose those guys, you're done. You are done. And you've got Aronson, who will just run out. There was one time, 
I sat and looked at my dad. I was like, why is Aronson on the right wing? Why is he playing where Dest is playing right now? He's supposed to be playing left wing at this moment. This is confusing. Please get back to your position, Aronson. But I, I just think this team's just awesome. Like, you can get upset with Burhalter and some of the subs he's made. In fact, he doesn't play Giovanni Reina. He keeps playing like Shaq Moore. And bringing on Haji Wright, I thought Jesus Ferreira, again, was going to be the United States starting number nine. He hasn't played a single minute in the World Cup up until this point. I think Jesus Ferreira has value to this team, not as a natural goal scorer. I don't think the United States striker will be a natural goal scorer, at least the current crop. They're a really good link-up play. Josh Sargent runs all over the place. Motor is absolutely ridiculous. Like, they all provide something different, but I think if you want to see out a game, though he's not the tallest, or vertically gifted, whatever you want to call it, he has Jesus Ferreira has things that could help see out a game, especially a game like this, where you need to try and control possession. Now, there were chances that the United States had as the game went on. Like, when they were up one nothing, they were trying to counterattack and get, uh, like, there was a chance I think Haji Wright had at the other end of the field. Aronson had a couple chances. Like, they had opportunities to try and score, but... uh yeah, it, it was a it was a stressful game when they announced nine minutes of added time, only added to the stress. Freaking stressful as hell. But man, I'm happy. I'm happy. I I wasn't really like I was getting texts from a couple friends today, well, about the game, like talking about how nervous they were. I was sitting there, I was like, and a couple hours before the game, I was sitting there, I was like, I'm not really that nervous. I'm kind of calm because what we've watched from the United States up until this point, we've kind of we talked about it before is that this team has been the best, most consistent team in the group. I know England has scored six against Iran. I know England scored three today against Wales. I understand that. They scored nine goals. The United States has scored two. I understand that. But the United States played England off the pitch. Like, it wasn't even close. Any diehard England fan out there would not cannot sit there confidently and say they played a good game against the United States. The United States killed them. The fact that the United States, England escaped with a draw is, <laughs> is a blessing for the English national team. That they came out away with a draw in that game. Ridiculous. But when you're going to a tournament like this, and you don't really have expectations, you've got a really young team. And my dad's talked to me about this before. When you have this young team, you don't you have this unbridled confidence where you go and you can beat anybody. Like if you remember going back to that England game, like Pool Six going out to take a corner and he's nodding to the crowd. He's nodding to the crowd. Like, they're getting in everybody's way. Tyler Adams is one of the best. He's only been the captain permanently for three games. And Tyler Adams is already one of the best captains the United States has ever had. He's 23 years old. How he carries himself at 23 years old, and you can say this about a lot of players on this team, but Tyler Adams is freaking ridiculous. I love that dude. And the more and more I watch Tyler Adams where he's barking orders at everybody or he's yelling at a ref or he's tracking back being physical, like he'll cover for Anthony Robinson a ton because the bat, the fullbacks will track up. Destin Robinson move forward a lot. There are times where they're playing up higher than the forwards are. But they're fast enough to and athletic enough to be able to track back. But Adams, when they're not able to do that, Adams is right there. Adams is not worth. You don't need to worry as long as Tyler Adams is on the field. He will boss that entire midfield. I love him for that. He doesn't care what what's at stake. He's going to make a play for you. He's going to lead you there. Like Tyler Adams, Weston McKinney, Pulisic. I love those guys. And the best part about this is we talked about it last show. They're not even in their primes yet. We host the World Cup in four years. Musa turned twenty today. And the United States is hosting a World Cup in 2026. 
and Mexico and Canada, but they've got like two stadiums per country. I think Mexico might have three. I think Canada has two. I think that's that's not an exact science. I'm pretty sure that's what the countries what the stadium situation is between the United, uh, Mexico and Canada. But yeah, it's fun, and we saw Canada become the first Concacaf team to get eliminated from the World Cup, losing to Croatia three one. And today we saw the United States become the first Concacaf team to advance. It's awesome. I it's really good, and I love these times around the World Cup, especially when a team is passionate. It just gives you such national pride. Watching this, like it's just so much fun. I love every second of it. Now, I would want to do this because I've been doing some sporkle quizzes today. Like before the game started, I was trying to keep my mind busy, and we weren't were too busy at work today, so I was trying to keep my mind somewhat busy. So I, I did. I'll go on sporkle every once in a while. I would recommend you guys do this as well. Like just go and search anything you're you think you're very knowledgeable in, and try to do it. Try to do a quiz. It could be kind of fun. It'll, it at least pass the time. No, I know, like, looking at a clock, like, you go to, let's say you're working, and you're, you're doing something, you're like, oh, I'm not gonna look at the clock, I'm gonna, I'm gonna do this, and I'm gonna stay busy, and then you're like, oh, man, that had to have been, like, 15 hours, oh, man, I've been here forever, you look at the clock, it's been two minutes, I did that all the time at Hy-Vee when I was bagging groceries, that's one of the problems with these sporkle quizzes, because it's telling you the time, they got a countdown timer, so six minutes, like, for this quiz that we're gonna take, it can feel like an eternity, so we brought up the 2010 World Cup with like Dempsey and Donovan possibly getting hurt. I t- 2010 was a long time ago. 2010, so that was 12 years ago. I was 13 years old. Or no, I would have I would have been what? Because I'm 25 for this World Cup. I would have been 12 years old for the World Cup because I turned I turned 25 a couple weeks ago. I would not have been 25 by the time the 2010 World Cup rolled around because this World this World Cup's later in the year than the normal World Cup. So I would have been 12 years old at this time. I remember going back to 2010, I played competitive soccer at the time, and our coaches were from England. Obviously, a lot of the players on this team were from the United States, mostly Iowa. So we rented out the middle school amphitheater for Johnson Middle School and had the England-United States game on in the amphitheater, or the th- whatever you want to call it, the concert hall, whatever you want to call it. It's a, it's a I don't know. So we'd sit there. And we watched the game, but before that, we had a tournament on the high school field, the old high school field. We'd sit that we played a tournament. We had like a 3v3 tournament throughout the day until the United States England game kicked off, and we watched the game. And I remember sitting there, and like, they've talked about this a lot throughout the World Cup, and it's kind of funny because I'm the same age as a lot of players on this team. Like, me and Christian Pulisic are pretty much the same age. I'm actually older than Christian Pulisic, which is kind of sad and depressing. But, but, this World Cup made me fall in love with the United States men's national team. I had the white jersey for this. I watched it in the Confederations Cup in 2009 where they beat Brazil, lost to Spain. like it was, Or beat Spain, lost to Brazil. I don't remember which one it was. But they beat someone big. They Charlie Davies was on the team before he had his car accident. Like, it was... I watched that tournament, but 2010 World Cup in a group with England, Slovenia, and Algeria... Losing to Ghana in the knockout stage with Donovan scoring a penalty, with Ghana doing all the time-wasting tactics at their disposal in regards to a throw-in on the right sideline, we're going to have someone from the far left sideline come over and take the throw-in. This is where I fell in love with soccer, I guess you could say. I, I just loved this tournament. Absolutely. We had a tournament up in Minneapolis that we dominated. It was fun. It was just a great time. Great, 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 great time. We had a trophy after we won the tournament in Minneapolis, and the coaches, being English, asked us who we thought was going to win the World Cup, 
And I said Spain because I'm an intellectual. And I actually did. I'm not just saying that. I know they can't prove it, but I did actually say that. Because my prediction for 2010. And <laughs> someone else in the crowd said England, since they're English. Not only did England not win the tournament, I'm pretty sure they lost 4 1 to Germany. So it was a little bit of a, a downturn for England, but he got to hold the trophy we were supposed to pass around. Got to my friend Drew, and Drew, I'm pretty sure, has the trophy to this day. 12 years later, I'm pretty sure Drew has the trophy still. But great World Cup. Absolutely great World Cup. Now, I'm going to try and do this quiz. There's six minutes, 2010 World Cup squad for the United States. And this one's going to be hard. This one's going to be pretty hard. I I have a general grasp. I bet I get 15 pretty easily. I would like to imagine I could get 15 pretty easily. I don't want to stay too much. I'm going to knock on wood first. I don't want to act like I'm gonna, I'm an expert at this and say, oh, I'm going to get all the right. I haven't looked at this squad in freaking years. I remember a few key players. So six minutes is the timer. Oh, we're going to be perfect. Okay, I'm going to start it right at 25 minutes. Three, two, one. Okay, go. All right, so starting goalkeeper, we already know Tim Howard's in that. Uh, Brad Guzan was obviously there. I think Hanneman. Han... M... How do you spell his name? Or what? was it Ramondo? Was Ramondo there? He was not there. It was like Marcus Hanneman. Hanneman. Oh, I'm Hanneman. Hanneman. I'm going to have to waste my time on that. Okay, Carlos Boca-Negra. I don't know how to spell his name. Boca-Negra. There we go. Then we had Jay Demerit. Was he on this team? Merit. Jay Demerit was there. Uh, Jonathan Bornstein was on this team. He played left back for the United States. Steve Chirundolo. Chirundolo was at right back. Uh, Agochi on... on Ani-A-Woo? Ani-A-Woo. I don't know how to spell his name. Ani A Woo. Okay, I'm gonna cheat. I gotta figure out how to spell his name. I I can't figure. I don't know how to spell. A Gochi on Ani A Woo. Okay, I'm 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 sorry. I'm cheating. I'm cheating. I'm sorry. I need to. I just I got a player. I'm getting his name in. A Gochi Ani A Woo. Who else is on this team? Clarence Goodson wasn't. He was in 2011 Gold Cup with Freddie Adu. I want to get. I want to go position by position. We're at seven players right now. I'm pretty sure Marcus Hanneman's the goalie, but I don't know how to spell his freaking name. Hanneman. A man. Man. <laughs> I don't know. Other de other defenders I'm forgetting about. Those were the key ones. Those were the key ones. I've got two other defenders there. Midfielders. We had Michael Bradley. We had... Um, I talked about him the other day. What was his name? 13. Ricardo Clark was in there. We had Torres... We had Edu. I'm at 11. We had Dempsey. He was classified as a midfielder at the time. He was a winger. Uh, Donovan was a winger. Uh, who else? Stuart Holden was, a, was in that squad. Uh, one more mid. I got two more midfielders. Sacha Kletchton was not. He was not on that team. Okay, strikers. Uh, Altidore. Finley. Robbie Finley. Am I spelling his name wrong? How do you spell Finley? Okay, whatever. Gomez. We're at so we're at uh Buttle was on this team. What why how am I spelling Finley wrong? Oh, it's Find Findley. Findley. Okay. Not fondly. Findley. Okay. So I got all the strikers. I got 18 out of 23. And I got three minutes and fifteen seconds left. 
What other players are on this team that I'm completely forgetting about? Midfield, we got two defenders, two midfielders, and a goalie. And I'm it's Marcus Hanneman. I'm utterly confident it's Marcus Hanneman. I've got to cheat again because i got to know how to spell his name. I'm not going on the squad. I'm just going on Google and just finding them on there. Marcus. Uh, it's, there's a random-ass H in there. What? I hope it is this guy because I didn't want to waste too much time on this. It was Marcus Hanneman. Yeah, okay. So we're at 19 out of 23. There's a – it's H-A-H-N-E-M-A-N-N-N. I had it H-A-N-N-E-M-A-N-N. So it was a lot of N's, but – other defenders that I'm completely forgetting about. Um, so I got 19 out of 23. I think that's fairly solid, but I want to get more. Benny was Benny Failhaber. Failhaber. Yes. Okay, we got Benny Failhaber. One more midfielder and two defenders. So we're at 20 players. We got two minutes and eight seconds left. I could go in the number order and try to think of it that way. So. Number Jonathan Spector. Jonathan Spector. He had to be on there. Yes! Yes! Okay. Um crap. I lost my I lost my my lug nut. Sorry. So okay. I'm going to, I was going to number order. So Tim Howard was one. Spectre was two. Bocanegra was three. Bradley four. Onyewa was five. Who was six? Trundlow was six. Was Beasley on this squad? I don't think he was. Demarcus Beasley was on the squad. I don't know why. I completely blanked on Demarcus Beasley. I shouldn't have. He's one of the greatest players of all time. Just actually got inducted in the Hall of Fame. Minute 35 left. 8 was Dempsey, 9 was Gomez, 10 was Donovan, 11 was Holden, 12 was Guzan, 12? I think he was, because Ricardo Clark was 13, 14 was Edson Buttle, 15 was Jay Demerit, 16 was Jose Torres, 17, who was 17? So 17 is the number I think I'm missing, or was Adu 17? Adu was 19 or 17, I don't remember which one. Because 18 was Hanneman, 19... I think 19 might have been Edu. 20 was uh, Finley. 21 was... Was 21? Who was 21? Bailhaber, I think, was 22. Who was 23 then? Bor Bornstein was... Okay, so, no. Hanneman was 23. Guzan was 18 because Bornstein was 12. So I'm missing 17. No, Altador was 17. So Edu was 19. 18 was Guzan. 20 was Finley. 21... So 21 is the number I'm missing. I got 35 seconds left. Is it Clarence Goodson? It was, it was Clarence Goodson. It was Clarence Goodson. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Because Clarence Goodson, we said that at the beginning when we were going over defenders. Clarence Goodson was on the 2011 Gold Cup squad. I didn't think he was on the – wow. We got all 23. I'm impressed with myself. 32 seconds left. I had to go in number order. Good thing that I remembered Bornstein was 12. Because <laughs> that would have threw me all completely off. Because I knew one of the goalkeepers was 18. I knew one of them was 18. I couldn't remember which one it was. But once I got to a do, and I don't know why I didn't remember Josie Alter or 17. But yeah, this team, compared to the team now, like, it's just completely different. It, the team now has just so much quality. You can see it in, like, the little things that they do. You can see it in the little things that they do. Like, the turns that they make. The passes that they lay all over the field. The foot control, the ball control that they have, it's insane. It is 10 times better than this team. And this team had some great players. Donovan and Dempsey, Demarcus Beasley, Tim Howard, some of the greatest players the United States have ever had. But you look at the depth of this team, it's pretty trash. It's pretty bad. You look at the striking options, Edson, Buttle, Robbie, Finley, and Hercules Gomez. That's your striker options behind a 20-year-old Josie Altador. Like, it's crazy. 
absolutely ridiculous. Beasley, he didn't really play that much this tournament because they played on the way they played a four four two, and it was kind of like it was Howard, Chirundolo, Demerit, Bocanegra, and Bornstein. That was their back four tra- tra- traditionally. Bocanegra could play left back at times. And Onyewu would play midfield was. Donovan on the right, or De- Donovan Dempsey rotated on the wings. I don't remember which one it was on the right and left. And then Bradley and Clark slash Maurice Adu. And then up top was Altador and Finley normally. And then uh, Hercules Gomez, I think, started the game against uh, Algeria, if I'm remembering right. But I'm just pumped I got that right. I completely spaced off on Clarence Goodson. I said he was done. I was like, oh, I might as well guess. I got 30-something seconds left. Guys, throw a guess in. Spectre, he played for Manchester United, or he was in the Manchester United Academy. He wasn't very good, to be 100% honest. He wasn't very good, but he was in the... This was a time if you played on a semi-decent team, it didn't really matter if you were good or not. He never played on Manchester United that I know of. He went to West Ham, sucked there. I don't know what else he was doing over in England or over in Europe. Terundolo was awesome for Hanover. I think it was Hanover he played for. Hanover 96. He was awesome there. Played there his entire career. One of the best right backs the United States ever had. And I think he, well, he's the until we'll see Sergio Dest once he catches his form or catches up. Uh, Bocanegra was the captain, one of the best captains the United States ever had. And he's the longest captain they've ever had. Uh, Hanneman, yeah. <laughs> they didn't really have a lot of. I mean, Ramondo was around, I think, at the time. Uh, Casey Keller was actually Casey Keller's birthday today, I think it, I saw. He was around at the time, but I think retired, so. Yeah, Holden was often hurt. Holden could have been really good. He was playing for Bolton, I think, at the time. He's towards ACL like every other day. Failhaber was really fun. I love Benny Failhaber, sporting Kansas City legend. Yeah, it's just, wow. This team's ridiculous compared to the team. that Like, I think Robbie Finley has 10 caps. I think he doesn't have a goal to his name. What What is Robbie Finley's man, United States men's national team stats? 11 games, no goals. That was Robbie Finley for you. His career lasted from 2007 to 2010 for the United States men's national team. That's what we're that's what we were dealing with at the time. That's that's crazy. <laughs> oh, the United States has such better options now. It's so fun. It actually it actually gets me giddy thinking about it. Now with the United States, this United States team ended up winning the group with a group with England. So that's the reason we basically chose this one, because it was 2010, the World Cup, I, rem- I fell in love with the United States men's national team. They were in a group with England, but they won that group. They won that group. And uh, the United States went on to face Ghana. This one, they're going to take, take on the Netherlands, who won their game today against Qatar. Qatar is the first host nation to lose every game at a tournament, the worst host nation of all time, and I predicted to come second to last. I thought there'd be some sort of get up for this tournament because we're hosting it. It's the first time we've ever hosting it. It's the first time we've ever been in the World Cup. Let's get ready for it. And the occasion was just too much for them. That's ultimately what happened with them. The occasion was just too much. And they allowed seven goals, scored one. They got a goal in the 78th minute versus uh, Senegal. And like this Qatar team, I think, is better than the South Africa team. And the South Africa team beat France and drew with Mexico. This Qatar team would get absolutely shit-stomped by France. They got shit-stomped 3-1 against Senegal what do you th- without their best player in Sadio Mane. Man, but Senegal didn't make me nervous in that first game, but I'm glad they got that first game out of the way with the Netherlands. They lost that game 2-0. Ecuador won 2-0 against Qatar. And then we had Senegal beat Qatar 3-1. Netherlands and Ecuador draw 1-1. So we were going to the final game of the group with the Netherlands on six points. Or on, uh, sorry, on four points. We had Senegal on three points. And we had Ecuador on four. Qatar obviously on zero. 
And then we knew Nether- the Netherlands were going to come out of the way with a win over Qatar. Cody Gakpo scored again. It was his third goal of the tournament. He scored in every single game in this tournament so far. Frankie de Jong scored in the game as well. We have two Manchester United players <laughs> scoring goals. Potential Manchester United players. It seems like Gakpo will be a Manchester United player when January rolls around, which is awesome. Because the United States are needing some security up top and on the wings since Ronaldo just left. Sancho's been out of form. Rashford's been playing awesome this tournament. We'll talk about him in a little bit. But De Jong scored as well in this game. And yeah, just an easy win. And then against with Senegal and Ecuador, Ismail Assar. Man, I, I get a round of applause. No look penalty. No look penalty. That's some ballsy stuff. Ballsy stuff. You're not in the knockout stage yet. This penalty is to send you potentially to the knockout stage. And he did a no looker. Scored it. Went up one nothing, and Ecuador scored in the 67th, and then Kalidou Koulibaly, the captain, scored in the 70th minute to give them the win. And then that group, apart from Ecuador finishing above, finishing above Qatar, is how I had it. We had the Netherlands winning, Senegal coming second. I again, I put way too much on on Qatar, thinking that, oh, they're the host nation, they're gonna be good in this tournament. Not good, but not coming dead last. Not score one goal and allow seven. Man, was I wrong. Sorry, I'm retightening my microphone. I was wrong with that. I was very wrong with that. But I'm, I'm happy Senegal went through. I like watching Senegal play. They're just a fun team. I like a lot of their players. Ismail Sars, awesome. Kaladou Koulibaly, awesome. Adjusa Gay, very fun player. Like, I like a lot of the players they have at their disposal. Edouard Mendy's a good goalkeeper. I, l- I really like <laughs> I really like Newport, the goalie for the Netherlands, Andres Newport. I love his story. Dude has three caps for the Netherlands. All coming in this World Cup. <laughs> he only has three appearances ever for the world for the United, the Dutch national team. All been in this World Cup. And with the Dutch winning this game, that secured them top spot in the group. We obviously saw it, but the United States finishing second. So the United States will take on the Netherlands in the knockout stage on Saturday at, I believe, 9 o'clock. So that'll be fun. That'll be fun. Do I do a full preview of Netherlands now, or do I wait for Friday? Do I wait for Friday, or do I wait for today? Or right now? Uh, we'll wait for Friday. Wait for Friday. Give us something to look forward to on Friday. <laughs> that's that's how we'll look forward. But long story short, the Netherlands have looked really good in this tournament. I'll keep it with under 30 seconds. We'll try to keep it under 30 seconds. So the Netherlands play with a back five. It started off with the tournament of the back three with Delict, Van Dyke, and Ake. Urien Timbers come in and play right center back with the back three. And then you have Denzel Dumfries, Daly Blind at left wing back. Daly Blind was awesome at left wing back for the Netherlands in 2014 when they finished third. Then they obviously missed 2018. And then midfield, you've traditionally, I think it's been Martin Darun and Frankie DeYoung. Frankie DeYoung is the only stay there. Coop Myers will make an appearance in the midfield sometimes. Davy Clausen has played really well this tournament. He's lined up as the number 10 recently. And it was Gakpo in the first game. I think Clausen's been there the last two games. And then Gakpo moved up top. Today, he played with Memphis Depay. I don't know if Depay's been battling some injuries. He hasn't been playing a lot at club level recently because Robert Lewandowski coming over to Barcelona. But Gakpo, it's been like Gakpo and Janssen. And then uh, who was the second game? Was it Gakpo and Bergvine? It was, <laughs> yeah, they've, they've rotated a lot. I think Berghaus started actually the first game in midfield next to De Jong. Yeah. Okay. So everything in the front lines is kind of rotated for the Netherlands, but they're just a really compact team. Netherlands play with the back five, so that traditionally means they're going to sit back and try to hit you on the counterattack. And with how much speed Dumfries has at the right wing back spot, they'll switch over. And this is why this is why having Yuri and Timber there is nice, because when they're in attack, they kind of switch to a back four. They'll have Blind move as a left left back with um, Ake's left center back, 
Van Dyke is the right center back, and then Tim Timber, who can play right back and has done successfully for Ajax, he can slide over to right back, and that allows Dumfries more freedom to move forward. So it's a very nice motion system. It's like it's turns. So like if you could just hold your hands up and then like kind of move the right hand up and the left hand down. It's kind of like that. This thing's kind of switch over from left to right. And then Gakpo's just been on fire. Gakpo's a big dude. Plays a winger for PFC Ein- PSV Eindhoven. He can play a striker. He's played striker well in this tournament. He's played as a number 10 in this tournament. Klassen's been playing really well. Frankie de Jong's been playing really well. They re- they're just really good on the counterattack. They have a lot of nice intricate passes. They have a massive dude in net <laughs> for <laughs> in Newport. So maybe the United States could test him. I, I'm nervous about set pieces. Because that's been the United States, like, Achilles heel recently is set piece. I think they're physical in the air. Delivery's not been great. We'll see how they're able to box off a world-class defender in Virgil van Dijk because they have not honestly faced a world-class defender yet. Like, you look at some of the defenders they faced. Harry Maguire and John Stones are the two best they faced in regards to center backs. They don't sniff Virgil van Dijk. John Stones is all right. Harry Maguire's just not it anymore. But Virgil van Dijk's a different breed. Different breed. Different beast. Whatever. That dude's just freaking awesome. And he'll be physical. So I would not be surprised if Walker Zimmerman came back in the starting line to be more physical. But it or you keep uh Cameron Carter Vickers in there and have him track back more, or you play with a back five to counteract the back five from the Netherlands. You look at what England did in the world in the Euros in twenty twenty one or twenty twenty, or just twenty twenty one, but twenty twenty. Um they played with the back five against the higher level teams. And the United States, with Burhalter have played with a back five on numerous occasions. You look at the Gold Cup last year, obviously not the same level of players in the Gold Cup then that what they have now. But they have played with a back five before, especially in the bigger occasions. You look at some of the, the CONCACAF Nations League final, I believe they played with a back five. It was like uh, Mark McKenzie, to, who else was in that back five? I, if it was a back five. I remember Mark McKenzie being there. I'm trying to, I think it was a back five. They, regardless, he's played with a back five before. And I could see him playing with that potentially here. I think what we saw at the end of the game is kind of might be a teaser for what we're getting on Saturday. Maybe. That's just my initial thought of it. Like you have Destin Robinson as wingbacks and you have a back three of Reem Zimmerman and Cameron Carter Vickers. But then you have that problem of who you're going to take out of the, the front parts because the midfield three and the front three have been pretty good together. Maybe you insert a guy like Giovanni Reyna into the starting lineup, a little more creativity in midfield or the, on the forward line. I don't know. We'll have to see what the United States do, but I'm I'm intrigued. I'm very intrigued to see what they do because the Netherlands are a very tough team. They're not as uh, complete of a unit as England, so but uh, they're good. They're still a very solid team. They're still a very solid team. I think their best player, Van Dijk. I get well. You can make an argument that their best player is better than England's best player, or vice versa. I don't know. You can you can make that argument with yourself, but they held Harry Kane in check. But the United States is not going to win any set pieces from their own set pieces. It'll be very. I'll be very surprised the United States is able to score on a set piece in the game against the Netherlands. But regardless, the United States made it through. That's all I really care about. Didn't matter who they played, just as long as they played somebody in the knockout stage. And then for England, they again they won three nothing today against Wales. Marcus Rashford scored two. Phil Foden scored another one. Rashford scored from a free kick on his first one. Rashford's played awesome. Rashford scored in the first game against Wales or against Iran, Iran, and then he had Rashford scoring two today against Wales. So he scored three goals this tournament. You have him at three goals, Gakpo at three, Mbappe at three. Enter Valencia. Did he score three this tournament? Yeah, Enter Valencia scored three. He's not going to extend on that tally, though, sadly. But 
yeah, this World Cup's been really fun. I've enjoyed this World Cup. Those there's been a crap ton of nil-nil halftime score lines. It's been a very fun World Cup. And then you look at the games we got tomorrow for day for you guys. We got Poland and Argentina playing and Saudi Arabia versus Mexico. And then we got Australia, Denmark, and Tunisia, France. I want to talk about this because this is kind of weird. So if you've been on Twitter recently, so United St- or Argentina and Mexico played on Saturday, if you remember that. And Mexico came out 2 nothing winners. Messi scored. Enzo Fernandez scored. Beautiful goal from Enzo Fernandez. Great goal from Messi as well. And Mexico just looked off. And Mexico, if they don't beat Saudi Arabia, have a chance to come in last place in their group, which is ridiculous. I didn't think that would happen. I didn't really think Saudi Arabia would get a single point, let alone a point, three points against Argentina of all teams. But after the game, so in the Argentina locker room, there was a thing of Messi and a Mexican jersey, I think it was. And he he didn't look like it was intentional or he was like disrespecting or anything, but he kind of like kicked it a little bit. And Canelo Alvarez, for those of you who aren't familiar, very, very good boxer. One of my favorite boxers to watch. Can be kind of cringy at times. And this was a, a situation where he was kind of cringy. Kind of. A lot cringy. It was very cringy. So reading it Twitter, and you got to obviously translate because I don't speak Spanish. So he got to translate it a little bit. And you're reading it, and it's like, uh, I'm paraphrasing, but it was something along the lines of Messi better. I better not see Messi in public for him disrespecting the Mexican flag like that or something. I don't know. But you have a ton of players, including Andres Guadrado, who is the captain of the Mexican national team, come out and say and defend Lionel Messi and say, yeah, that's just what locker rooms are. They throw all the jerseys in the middle of the locker and they come by and pick them up. Messi's not a disrespectful person unless it's against Real Madrid that he could be kind of disrespectful. But uh, Messi's not just going to go out his way and stomp on a jersey or a flag or whatever. And he's not stomping on it like out of... Oh, I hate this jersey. Like, Ender Herrera, remember this a few years ago when the Manchester United played Manchester City? He spit on the Manchester City badge when they were walking in the locker room. Just spit on it. That's disrespectful. What Messi did, I would not classify under the same breath as being disrespectful to the Mexican team, to the Mexican flag, to the Mexican jersey. I don't know. But Andres Guadrado said something. I think Cesc Fabregas said something. I think uh, Sergio Aguero said something about it. Like, it's a locker room thing. Canelo is obviously in a different sport. She doesn't have the same team locker room setting that, you know, all the players do for Argentina, for all the all soccer and all competitive sports like basketball, football, whatever. He's not used to those locker rooms, used to his own locker room. So if you were doing that by yourself, then yeah, maybe like just stomp on it. If he actually stepped up, but there's a video of it. He's not being outrightly disrespectful to the Mexican jersey or the Mexican flag. Like, and it tweets something like, oh, I better not catch Messi outside. Like, what the hell? Dude, stop. Stop. Canelo, I really like you as a fighter, but that like, the most crit. You're a professional boxer. You're a champion in, I believe, five weight classes. Obviously, Messi does not want to see you pissed off in public. Messi ain't going to punch you up at all. Obviously, you don't need to tweet something like, ooh, you're tough. You're going to pick on the guy that's smaller than you that does a completely different sport that would be nothing to you? Like, Canelo throw one punch, Messi would probably be knocked out. And Messi's my, one of my favorite players ever. He's the GOAT. I don't think Messi would be sitting there like, yeah, I could take a punch from Canelo and, and just rub it off. I'd throw one back. i actually knock Canelo out. He's not stupid. You don't need... Some things are just better left unsaid. Oh, I better not see Messi outside today. Oh, and knock him out. Well, okay, cool. Let's, let's chill out here. Let's chill out. And then you have Mexican national players, like national team players coming out and say it. And Canelo telling about other people like, you don't represent Mexico... Like, for to other people, not saying to Andre Cordrado, but 
It's just corny. That's really corny. It's like anime villain stuff. Like, it's just corny. There's no need for it. It's just silly. It does. It's not even. It wasn't a big deal. And then he tried to make it a big deal. I know there's somewhat of a rivalry between Mexico and Argentina, but that it wasn't anything. There's no deal. There was no big deal around that at all. So let's move on from that. <laughs> it's just guy. It is funny. It is funny that that got turned into something that it never was. And then for uh, Group D, obviously we talked about this one already. Australia versus Denmark, Tunisia versus France. Denmark, I had winning this group because I thought they would be able to win against France. I thought they'd go through on seven points. I thought they'd be able to beat France. I thought France would go through on seven point or on six points. I thought they'd lose to Denmark and win their other two games. And that's not really what happened. France killing Mbappe scored a goal in the 86th minute to to end that dream. So now we're sitting in, and it would have been really funny. It been real. Uh, I guess no, it wouldn't have. France would still been on top of the group with four points, but. The fact that there could have been a one-point gap between Australia and France, it's kind of funny. A team that France just beat 4 to, four to 1. <laughs> and I, I think it's funny with France that they're just so good. They're so deep. Like, it doesn't matter who gets hurt. They're without their two starting midfielders from the 2018 World Cup in Pogba and N'Golo Kante. And they're going out there and bossing midfields. They're playing awesome. Mbappe is playing at another level right now. Mbappe is clearly the front runner for the golden ball right now, and the golden boot for all things considered. He scored. There, we're talking about. I saw again. We talked about this earlier. Cody Gakpo is the only player to score in all three games this World Cup. Well, yeah, because Kylian Mbappe's only played two of them. So, Mbappe scored in the first two games for for France. Uh, I'm kind of, I'm kind of, I'm kind of trying to figure out how France is going to play this one. Because realistically, Tunisia is not really going to stand a lot of threat to France, realistically. And no no offense to Tunisia and the national team, but I could see France just sitting back and just playing a very, like, I think could get a draw with their backup team, really, again in this game. And that's me being nice. I think they could get a draw in this game. So we could see they've been playing a 4-2-3-1 a lot this tournament. So what? We're looking in the last game, who was it? It was like... Kunde at right back. Yeah, okay. So we had Jules Kunde, Rafael Varane, Dio Upamecano, Theo Hernandez, and then midfield we had Chumeni and Rabio. Uh, midfield three of Dembele, Griezmann, and Mbappe. And then up top we had Olivier Giroud. I could honestly see them just going all like random ass play. Like I could see them sitting Rafael Varane. Rafael Varane's coming back from injury, so I could see him not playing in this game. Uh, I don't know. It, it, this is a game where I don't think they'll struggle all too much. No offense. To, again, no offense to Tunisia, but they lost to Australia. You don't lose to Australia. <laughs> you can't. You cannot lose to Australia. I'm sorry. But, yeah, I don't think France will have too many problems, regardless if they play their best 11 or their worst, quote-unquote, worst 11, because their worst 11 is better than a lot of teams' best 11s. And we're being honest. I don't think Denmark will have too many issues with Australia. I think Denmark should win. I think they should beat them like 2-0 or something like that in this game. Again, no offense to, Aust- to Australia. I just think Denmark are good, especially coming off a loss to France in the way they did, losing the 86th minute to killing Mbappe. Tough way to lose. Tough, tough way to lose. So they're going to be motivated against a lesser team. Denmark is clearly better than Australia on their day. They have to go through this with this easily. And then the rest of the games, we've got Group E. We've got Japan, Spain, and Costa Rica, Germany. Germany, again, one point so far this tournament. Obviously, blew the game against Japan. Got a draw against Spain, which is a nice draw after Spain beat Costa Rica 7 nothing. 
I would like to see Costa Rica advance, especially when you have a team losing 7 nothing in their first game and they go on to advance. That's pretty freaking cool. Though it would be better for my predictions for Germany to come away with a win, which I think they will. I think Spain should beat Japan. I think Germany will beat Costa Rica. And then we'll see Germany go through on five points. We'll see Spain go through on seven points. And then we'll have Japan and Costa Rica sitting there with three points. Like, Costa Rica's going to have to go freaking haywire in this game. Because <laughs> they're... Yeah, they're losing 7 nothing to Spain is never a good look. I know they came back and beat Japan, but it's not a great look. You can't lose 7 nothing. <laughs> they got a minus six goal difference right now. But that one's a little bit off. I mean, I had Spain and Germany flipped, and we tossed and turned about that one. Remember, we go back to that Friday episode... We tossed and turned about that entire group for a while. I think we ended up going with Germany, Spain, Costa Rica, Japan. I think that's what it was. But again, it, <laughs> Costa Rica is going to finish last in this group. Unless they, Japan loses and they can get at least a draw. But if, they, if, the, if the things go the way I think they're going to go with Japan and, or with Spain and Germany getting wins, Costa Rica's dead last. I, would, I think it would be kind of funny, though, in the same breath to say Costa Rica allowed 10 goals this tournament. So I'd like to see Germany win 3 nothing. May I would like to see that thing. That'd be kind of funny. No offense to Costa Rica. I'd like to see a CONCACAF team advance, but that's not what we're going to have there. And then in Group F, we have Croatia, Morocco, Belgium, and Canada, who's eliminated after losing 4-1 to Croatia. Belgium's taking on Croatia. We have Canada taking on Morocco. For prediction's sake, I would like to see Belgium win, but Belgium seemed to be on a whole other level in regards to team camaraderie. So I don't really see Belgium winning that game. I could see a draw, and then you kind of got to hope that... Canada's come through and blast Morocco because they got to win by three goals in the game. They got a they got a long hill. They got a big hill to climb if they're going to come through with a draw, which they can't come through with a draw. They got to win because <laughs> their minus one goal difference is not great. So you just got to hope that Canada absolutely ass blasts Morocco, which after giving their first their second game against Belgium or against Croatia, that probably ain't going to happen. Could be wrong, but it probably ain't going to happen. Yeah, Belgium, I'm not too... Well, again, we talked about this before. I'm not surprised. I thought they could win the group. I thought they had enough quality to win the group. And I had them losing the first round of the knockout state anyway. So I'm not really surprised that they're struggling. And then Group G, we have uh, Brazil taking on Cameroon and Serbia taking on Switzerland. Two really good games. Two good games. I Cameroon kicked out Andre Onana. I, I'm The reasons why he got kicked off the squad, it seems to be differing. I don't know if it's a personal issue with the manager or it's a... A uh, game plan issue or something like that, or playing style issue. I don't know what the issue really is with Andre Onana, but Andre Onana clearly is the best goalie Cameroon has. And there were some shots that Serbia had or some goals that they scored in that game that you would go, oh, Andre Onana would have saved that goal. So that's kind of upsetting. But uh, Brazil beating Switzerland 1-0. Brazil's already advanced. Brazil and France have already advanced. They haven't even played their second game, already advanced. Switzerland, I don't think, will have too many problems with Serbia. I don't think they'll have too many problems. I think... I I think they'll win. I think Brazil will win. I think Switzerland will win as well. Switzerland might win one nothing, but I think they'll win. And then Group H, we've got the matchup that we've all been waiting for since 2010, Ghana versus Uruguay. For those of you who are unfamiliar with what happened in this game, so Luis Suarez is standing in net. Just for you uh, casuals out there, uh, Luis Suarez is not a goalkeeper. Luis Suarez punches the ball out of a out of the air, disallowing a goal for Ghana, and then Ghana proceeds to miss the oncoming penalty <laughs> to end up losing to Uruguay to go to the World Cup semifinals. Now, Diego Forlan was on another level in 2010, 
But Luis Suarez saved Uruguay in that tournament. I know they didn't go on to win it. They didn't even go on to win going to the final. But that chance that they had with him palming the ball away and getting a straight red, missing the next game, but Ghana missing the penalty to see his country go through, that was awesome. That was actually really cool. But I know a lot of Ghanaians are not happy and with how Uruguay's played this tournament, they have not had they've looked so toothless in attack. Like it's it's actually sad how bad they've looked going forward with the likes that they've with the players that they have. I know Luis Suarez and Edson Cavani are older, but come on. They you can't get more than like five shots on target in two games. Really? That's it. And Darwin Nunes is on the team as well. Like you've got good players on this team, and you just can't do anything. And then for Portugal, Bruno Fernandes has been their best player. Bruno Fernandes has been awesome. He got two assists in the first game. He got two goals in this game. Ronaldo tried to claim. Ronaldo is so weird. Like, I I respect Ronaldo. I think he's one of the greatest players of all time. Not the greatest, but one of the greatest. But he's just so weird. How much he's trying to fight to say that he got the goal that he did not touch. Like, it's so weird. It's it's odd. Stop it. Stop it. You're 37. God damn. Stop. How <laughs> your teammates have some fun. And, uh, yeah, but I expect Portugal to go through. They're, they're already advanced, but I expect them to beat uh, South Korea in this game as well. So, yeah, the advanced teams so far, we have the Netherlands and Senegal from Group A. We have England and the United States from Group B. France from Group D. Ger- Fran- Germany, jeez. Brazil from Group G. And Portugal from Group H. Qualify. We're just trying to figure out if they're going to be first or second in their groups. And we'll see the matchups. Again, we got the Netherlands taking on the United States and England taking on Senegal, which should be two pretty fun games. Two pretty fun games. I expect England to come away with a win there. I think the United States could surprise some people. After watching this tournament, I've found some more confidence in this team than I thought I that I, I had a decent amount before. Like, I was confident in this going to this World Cup. I know we talked about before the World Cup that, like, oh, you could go through and come in the last year group. And then after the squad got announced, you sit there and like, no, no, what, what, what am I talking about? You kind of slap yourself awake or pinch yourself, whatever. You're like, what the what the actual hell am I talking about? Like, this team, you are you have the best team the United States has ever had. You could not not qualify for the knockout stage. And they didn't. And they ended up winning a game. They didn't lose a single game. They didn't allow a single goal from open play. Like they played awesome. They're they're physical. They're fun to watch. Frustrating at times because of the the tactics that Berhalter implements in the second half when they're winning. It's frustrating. But if you give a whole game like he did against England and score a goal one or two goals I would love to see him score one more than one goal in a game but you have that performance I think they can beat the Netherlands how crazy that sounds I don't know I think they can beat them we'll have a full more full preview of this game coming up on Friday so stay tuned for that well I think we'll have all the knockout stages at that point will we know all the games for the knockout stage at that point no okay we'll have some games in the second so we're going to have to talk about those games a little bit as well. we got Serbia and Switzerland and Brazil, Cameroon, and then Ghana, Uruguay, and South Korea and Portugal on the second. So we will not know those games. We'll know every other game up until that point. So we'll know most of the matchups. We'll know most of the matchups for this tournament. Which is fun. Now, switching course. Now, wait, wait, wait. i got to say something. Why, why do people, when they don't like soccer, why are people so vocal about it? Are you just trying to be cool? Like, oh, yeah, I don't like this sport. Oh, how do you watch this? Oh, man, oh, that's a flop. I hate watching people, like, watching that. Why do you need feel the need to say that? It's not needed. Oh, I don't know how you could watch that. I don't say anything when you're watching your stupid-ass programs. 
But oh, I can't watch. Sorry, how do you watch that? Yawn. Oh my god. <laughs> That's so... How are you watching that? I hate that. It's so cringy. It's so corny. Like, man, how can you tie in soccer? Man, that... I could sit there and look at that. It's like, dude, shut up. If you're not... If your brain's not big... or If your brain's that small to not comprehend what a tie does, you get points. It's not like you're going through and it's just a tie and it means nothing. No, you got a tie and you got a point. A win is three, a tie is one, a loss is zero. It's not that hard to get through your thick-ass skull, okay? I was at G-Mix today with my dad and one of his friends, and there was these old people next to us like, man, that's a fly. I can sit there, it's like, oh my god, they're the same type of people. It's like, man, ooh, I don't even watch a sport that ties. Instead, well, let's watch the Texans Colts tie 20 to 20. That sounds fun. God, because that actually meant nothing. That doesn't mean anything for standings. It doesn't mean anything for anything. You tied, and you got nothing out of it. You tie in soccer, you got a point. You got something out of tying. And some teams can play for a tie because all you need to freaking do to get through to a group or win points in the Premier or in a league title or something like that. You tie in the NFL, that means nothing. That literally means nothing. Because most of the time, you are the only two teams that tied that entire year. That means absolutely nothing. It's a pointless game. That game is pointless. Literally. This game's not pointless because you're getting points. <laughs> it's literally, you're getting a point for tying. So it's not pointless. But people want to post that on Twitter. I don't know if it makes you feel cool or superior. Or, I'm different. I actually don't like the World Cup. I'm actually so hip. I'm so hipster. I hated soccer before it was cool. Unlike you weird fake guys that like soccer when it comes around every four years. But lamos, Like, shut up. Actually, grow a pair and shove off. If you don't want to watch it, I don't care. I don't need to hear your opinion about it. You don't like it. Cool. Go watch the PGA tournament. That's freaking awesome. Man, that's exciting as hell. They quiet you down. They have quiet signs in the PGA tournament. You talk about boring. You can't even talk. You can't even have a good time at a PGA tournament. Like, Man, you're gonna watch you're gonna watch golf or tennis and you're gonna or F1. Sorry, I like racing, but F1 for the people who like I'm gonna do the same thing. I do not like road courses. You get one person the lead, you think it's close for a little bit, and then all of a sudden straight away, boom, they're gone. They got the 10 second lead again. I'm sorry. Soccer's more enjoyable and more fast paced than any of that. I'm including racing in that, and they're running at 200 miles an hour. Yeah, don't talk to me about what's boring and what's not, because the things you watch are way more boring than soccer, but it's because you're too you're too thick-skulled to realize what's going on, or you just don't want to realize what's going on, you're just ignoring what's going on. That's cool. That's a whole other topic, though. And the same people, like, we're living in the state of Iowa. I guarantee some of the people that are talking about soccer is boring go to watch Iowa football and live and die by Iowa football every weekend. You're going to talk to me about what's boring. Man. And I do the same thing. I would rather watch the United States draw nil-nil with England than watch Iowa versus anybody this year. There's not a single Iowa game I go like, ooh, yeah, I'd go back to watch that game again. I would watch back England-United States, the full 90 minutes. I'd watch that entire game back. I would not watch a single Iowa game back this year. And you want to talk to me about what's boring. That's monotonous. That's banging your head in the wall a hundred times. Now, there could be some changes, and that's actually a perfect segue. Unintentionally perfect segue. There is possibly some changes afoot with the University of Iowa football program. And I got sent this to me by my friend Noah. 
And it was Cade McNamara's answer to the transfer portal. Michigan's quarterback that got into the Big Ten Championship. He was the quarterback of the team that got to the Big Ten Championship. I'm not going to sit here and say Cade McNamara was the sole reason Michigan got to the Big Ten Championship game last year, but he was good. He was good. He just doesn't have the same skill set that J.J. McCarthy has, which is why they had the open competition. We talked about that before the season started, about McCarthy's better. McCarthy's got a stronger arm. McCarthy's bigger. McCarthy's more mobile. So he's got a higher ceiling, which is why he's going to start for Michigan. Regardless of J.J. McCarthy actually getting through and getting the Big Ten Championship game, going to the playoff and all that stuff, like Jim Harbaugh, former quarterback, is a little more cutthroat in his quarterback decisions than like Kirby Smart is when you have a guy that's got a stronger arm, that's bigger, it's more athletic, and Justin Fields and continuing to go with Jake Fromm. Like, that's a different situation there. Kirby Smart's a defensive guy. All you need to do in Kirby Smart's system as a quarterback is not suck ass and you'll be fine because George's defense will get you 90% of the way there. And that's not saying Stetson Bennett sucks ass. I like Stetson Bennett a lot. Stetson Bennett's had a really good career, won a natty last year, played awesome this year, but come on. We know Justin Fields is better than him and Jake Fromm and whoever else quarterback Kirby Smart's had at Georgia. But they went with Jake Fromm. Jim Harbaugh sees the more athletic, stronger, faster, bigger quarterback and goes, well, we're going to bench the other guy. Thanks for what you did. Thank you for your service. But, uh, yeah, McCarthy's going to start. He had the fake, like, oh, we're going to alternate them the first two games of the season. Okay, yeah. We all know J.J. McCarthy's going to start. Now, K. McNamara's entered the transfer world, which is not surprising in the slightest. It's not surprising in the slightest. But everybody is starting to link Cade McNamara to Iowa. And that's that's awesome. Alex Padilla has just entered the transfer portal. Spencer Peters is gone. There's some reports that you can see Alex Labas playing the bowl game, wherever that is, Pinstripe Bowl, Music City Bowl, wherever the hell it is, you could see Alex Labas playing the game, which could be kind of exciting. Because if Alex Labas plays well, maybe there's not the need. No, there, always, there is the need for, J, for Cade McNamara. Iowa does not really go to the transfer portal that often. Like, the last quarterback that I can remember them getting in a transfer is Brad Banks. There could have been someone else in there, but I don't remember. And Brad Banks was all the way back in 2002. So, it's been a long-ass time since Iowa's delved in the transfer portal, or just a transfer. I know there wasn't the transfer portal back then, but, like, a transfer and gotten a big-time quarterback. Or a quarterback that's been there, done that. That a quarterback that's been good. Like, Cade McNamara is very limited in what he can do, but for what he can, it's 10 times or 100 times better than the two quarterbacks that they have playing this year. Now, again, we've talked about this before. I'm not naive to the fact that Iowa's off the line is dog water. Like, it's bad. And Kay McNamara and any quarterback would not do very well behind Iowa's off the line. So keeping Caden Proctor away from from Oregon is massive. Got to make sure he stays, because that'll be a big key in that. And I think Iowa just... I hate doing this. I really hate having this mindset, but this is kind of the mindset you have to implement with Iowa right now is that, oh, it can't be worse. And the sad thing is, oh, it definitely can be. We said the same thing about Iowa's offensive line. Oh, it might have been worse this year. Iowa's offense was way worse this year than last year. And that's saying something. Iowa had a head banging into the wall offense last year. They had that times 10. But this time into a steel-plated wall. Like, it's it was a very not fun process. And I'm happy. This is the only time I'll ever be thankful for the University of Nebraska ex- existing. This is the only time I'll ever be happy about the University of Nebraska existing. is because you kept Iowa out of the Big Ten Championship game. I know Iowa was close to beating Michigan earlier. Or played well. Still lost by double digits, but played well against Michigan. Had some things not go their way in that game. But I did not need another offseason of people going 
well, they made it to another Big Ten championship game. Why do you need to change it? It's made two straight Big Ten championship games. So how many other quarterbacks are under Kirk Ferentz made two Big Ten championship games? Spencer Peace has done it twice. What other quarterbacks have you won Big Ten championships? Like, Spencer Peace has done it twice. Why do we need to change the offense? Because Nebraska beat Iowa, that has opened the door for change. Because out of all the years, this had to be the year Nebraska beat Iowa. Nebraska is 3-8. and eight. Iowa is on the doorstep of a Big Ten championship appearance. Of course, this was the year that Nebraska beat. It was at Kinnick, which made it even better. Like, I don't need to listen to that this offseason. Didn't make the Big Ten championship game. Didn't make the Big Ten championship game. Okay, McNamara's made it to do straight Big Ten championship games. The fact that he's only played in one is a different story, but he's made it too. It's all that matters, right? You made it there. Doesn't matter how you did it. Cade McNamara has been to two Big Ten championship games. Played in it? I don't know. Still hasn't happened yet, so he could still technically play in it. Oh, man. Doesn't matter how he got there. We don't need to look at the... We don't need to... Hey, don't look at the numbers. I see you over there looking at the numbers. Don't look at the numbers. Uh, he's He made the two Big Ten championship games. He was very instrumental in this team. I don't... Again, don't look at the numbers. That's how Iowa fans want us to react. <laughs> I say that as an Iowa fan. Oh, my God. I'm so happy. Like, in hindsight, I'm so happy I didn't go to Iowa. I'm so happy because I was probably I was similar to that somewhat same breath when I was in middle school. And I think going to William Penn and you and I kind of distanced me from that. And I think that I'm forever grateful for that. I always like to think of myself as a new, like a, I tried to be as neutral as I could. But I was more like, I no, I, I shouldn't say that. I would never have been competent or content with this offense. I would never have done that. <laughs> but I'm more spiteful for Iowa football now than I was 10 years ago. When the 2010 World Cup took place, Logan was a different version of an Iowa fan back then. Because <laughs> 2010 Iowa was fun. They just went to a, the Orange Bowl. You had the season after, which was a giant disappointment because you brought back everybody and didn't make the Orange Bowl again or a national championship. You went to the Insight Bowl, but you beat Missouri and Blaine Gabbert, so that was fun. Man, but I do hope, in the grand scheme, all in all, I do hope Cade McNamara does come to Iowa. There's a lot of people listing Iowa as his number one spot. Uh, Jake Rudock made the transition to uh, Michigan from Iowa when he got benched for Jake Ru- for C.J. Beathard. So, yeah, I'm, I'm hoping Cade McNamara comes over. He's from Reno, Nevada. My old roommate from William Penn is from Nevada. He's from Carson City, close enough to Reno. So that would nail him on as an Iowa fan, correct? Have to be. Had to be. And now Kevin did not go to DeMonte Ranch High School. He went to Carson City High School. But I do hope Kate McNamara comes. It'd be fun. Alex Padilla's transferring. I think that opened up the door for that even more than it already had. Which is fun. It's fun, it's fun to get things like this. And I'm not saying this is going to happen, but I mean, Hendon Hooker was a transfer. Just saying, just saying, Bo Nix was a transfer. Michael Panix was a transfer. I don't know. They're not, uh, in all serious, K. McNamara is not the athlete that Nix, Penix, or um, who we say before, Hendon Hooker, any of those guys are. <laughs> he's not the athlete those guys are. But he's still a good, he's still a good, competent quarterback, which is what Iowa needs. Iowa was literally a Cade McNamara away from being a legit football team. They kind of need to just implement the Georgia style of offense of just don't suck. And Iowa couldn't do that this year because they had a quarterback that sucked. So it was kind of kind of interesting. But, uh, yeah, I think that's pretty much all I've got for you today. I think. Oh, 
First time in 92 years, the United States has had multiple shutouts in a World Cup. 1930 was the last and only time, and Matt Turner has had two. Oh, this was <laughs> this is kind of funny. I got this update from ESPN. I saw the tweet originally, but uh, <laughs> I just thought it was kind of funny. Um, from ESPN, Jackson deletes vulgar tweet. Lamar Jackson responds to social media post that criticized his performance with a tweet that included an anti-gay phrase. The tweet originally from Castle Will Kill. It's a cool name. Very cool name. When someone is asking for over $250 million guaranteed like Lamar Jackson and added Lamar Jackson, dot, 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 games like this should not come down to at Justin Tucker. Let Lamar walk and spend the, rest, spend the money on a well-rounded team. And I saw this tweet, and I was like, that's kind of funny. He said, boy, STFU, y'all be capping too much on this app. MF never smelt a football field, never did shit, but eat dick. That's your anti-gay phrase, eat dick? Really? Really? Man. Now, I do think the Ravens have been a very interesting team. They should be a lot better than what they are. Like, you look at some of the games they've had this year. They have 35-14 against the Dolphins, 20-3 against the Bills, 20-10 against the Giants, 19-10 in the Jaguars. Three of those games coming in the fourth quarter. Like, you've got to close those games out. And I know the Ravens' defense is pretty bad, especially in the secondary. you got to see those games out. And then, uh, yeah, I just thought that was funny. The the <laughs> The... The 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 notification I got did not match because I remember I got the update and I was like, what? I don't remember seeing that. I saw a tweet where he actually he went in on a guy adding him saying he was ass essentially, and <laughs> that was the tweet. I was like, oh, that's not, that's not. And I I saw this other tweet. It said ESPN just straight lied to Lamar Jackson per usual. Yeah, that's that's pretty standard for. For calm, cool, collected ESPN. But, uh, yeah, I think so. Uh, here's the last thing I got. Olu Fashanu, the outside tackle for Penn State, one of the top tackles in next year's draft, maybe the top tackle in next year's draft, depending on who you ask. You got, like, Peter Skaronsky from Northwestern. You've got Paris Johnson Jr. from Ohio State. You've got Broderick Jones from Georgia. you got a lot of – you got some decent tackles. There's no, like, real top, top dog yet. But Olu had that athletic ability that people really liked. And he was might he might have been the first tackle off the board this year might have been, and he has declared that he's actually coming back to Penn State next year. So he's coming back, which is surprising, but I'm 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 cool with that. I'm cool with that. I always like when players come back for to get there. I college is a interesting experience, a lot of good experiences, but like as Cardell Jones said, we didn't come to play school, but Cardell Jones still came back to finish out his college degree. College degree is important. And if Olu's going back to get that, I respect the hell out of him for it. The NFL is a very tempting thing, and your draft stock could plummet tremendously if he if he gets hurt or something this year. God forbid, knock on wood, of course. But yeah, I saw that today, and I thought I'd share that one here. And I think that's all I've got. It's all I've pretty much got for you today. It was just a really fun show. I'm in a good mood. Watch the United States beat up, or not beat up, but beat Iran one nothing. Be the best team in the group, most consistent team in the group. Though, again, England scored, what, eight, uh, nine goals? <laughs> scored six against Iran and three against Wales. Man, imagine allowing two goals to Iran. Man, couldn't be the United States, right? Couldn't be the U.S. <laughs> England allowing two goals to Iran. Man, they scored six. Ah, they allowed two. They allowed two. The United States scored allowed none. So that's that's good. But that's all I've got for you today. We'll have more stuff for you on Friday. Again, make sure you follow Logan Blavin Show on every single form of social media. But most importantly, make sure you're following the Logan Blackman Show on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. 
Make sure you leave a five-star rating on both and leave a description down below on why you feel the way you do. And I will see you all later. Have a good rest of your Wednesday. We'll see you on Friday. Cannot wait for the United States versus Netherlands. We've got Conference Championship Week coming up as well. We'll preview that as well. And I will see you guys later. Peace.